0: following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: As I went down in the river to pray Studying about that good old way And who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord show me the way Oh sisters let's go down, let's go down, come on down Go down, down in the river to pray As I went down in the river to pray Studying about that
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. There is one most essential fact that you need to know. Jesus is a person. He's not an institution. He's not an organization. <clears throat> Jesus is a person he is the most glorious and awesome person to have ever become a human person but he is a human and will be a human throughout all of eternity now you need to know one more thing Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now, after we've absorbed those two facts, that Jesus is a person, and that Jesus loves you, that he is for you, not against you, we have to then begin to talk about the rescue operation that he has put in place. We must begin to understand what the mind of the spirit is. You see, you can walk in the natural flesh of the human person, that is, in the actual body that we all dwell in a body until we die but it's more than that flesh also in scripture is used to describe the wicked nature that we were born with that wickedness that grows in our heart and causes us to sin against God One father said to me just recently, I have seen that my daughter, this baby, one years old, this little one is stubborn beyond anything believable. I said, did she come by it naturally? Is her father like that? Is her mother? Oh, her mom is just like that. And then he smiled and he said, and I'm like that too. But he said, she cannot be a follower of Jesus and keep that stubborn nature. There's going to have to be a change. And it's up to me as her dad to help her make that change. Yes, that's true. There's a change that must occur while we are in the body called the flesh there's a change that must occur and it's a mind change it is leaving the mind of darkness and accepting from Jesus the mind of the spirit now lest you think this is woo woo Let's talk about specifically what it looks like. And Paul talks about this in Galatians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to begin reading for you in verse 16, all the way through verse, let's see, 25. Now I say to you, you must walk in the Spirit And you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh, i.e. fallen nature. So now we need to stop. We need to identify what is walking in the Spirit and what is the fallen nature. What do those look like? How do they act? And then we have to look at our own lives and say, On this day was I walking in the spirit, or was I walking in the flesh, i.e. the fallen nature? Let me continue. Verse 17. Now the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Indeed, these things oppose each other so that you may not do these things that you may desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Now you recognize he's addressing here the same issues he brought up in both Romans 7 and Romans 8. As I shared yesterday, it is likely, possible, probable that many of us who say we are Christian walk in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when we walk in the Spirit of God, we walk in the tree of life, and healing flows to us. So I speak with a person, and they tell me all of the things that have gone wrong in their life And they're utterly hopeless. They don't see any way out. Everything is dead end. They're utterly discouraged. They want to quit. Well, why? Because they don't know Jesus yet. When you know Jesus, your heart is filled with life with joy, with peace. When you know Jesus, he said, roll that burden over to him. Give it to him. Frankly, most of us have lived so many years in the flesh, i.e. fallen nature, that it's hard for us to let go of all of that and let Jesus heal us and forgive us and restore us. But that's what the Christian gospel is all about. That's the good news, that we don't have to continue walking in the hopeless, dead-end place, but instead, we can walk in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now, if you're like me, you've spent a lot of time in the past trying to walk by the law, trying to do everything you were supposed to do and and then slowly circumstances changed and you drifted away and you stopped going to church and you just tried to survive the christian gospel is not about surviving it's about flourishing it's about prospering it's about living in joy in jesus christ because we now have the mind of the spirit but let's look more carefully at what the scriptures are saying. Verse 18, this is Galatians five eighteen. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Why? Because the law does not bring right behavior. It only condemns us. But when we walk in a way where we allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit, (coughs) we're no longer under the law. (coughs) Pardon me. Now, the works of the flesh, verse 19, are manifestations. Now, let's identify these manifestations. Adultery. Jesus came and said, If you look at a woman lustfully, you already committed adultery. Fornication, uncleanness, indecency. Have you ever walked in any of that? I have. And what happens? Your heart is heavy. Your heart is broken. You know you're wrong. And if you're wise and you know the gospel, you quickly go to the prayer closet and you cry out to Jesus and you repent and you don't walk that way anymore. Idolatry. What is that? That's where we keep wanting more stuff and keep worshiping things until we're so deep in debt we can barely wiggle. But we have to have that one more thing. No, we don't. Happiness is not found in the worship of things. Happiness is not found in a, in a degree or a graduate degree. Happiness is not found in stuff, accomplishments. Happiness is found in Jesus, walking in the Spirit. Witchcraft. Oh, you say, I've never walked in, witch- in witchcraft. Well, wait a minute. Have you gone through all of your positive affirmations You've claimed what you wanted and you've said, now it's mine. And every day you have a picture on your refrigerator and you say, I will have that. Well, what you're doing is through positive affirmations trying to transform the, the spirit realm to produce in the physical realm what you desire. That's witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, strife, dissensions, false teachings. There's nothing uglier than someone who says, I'm a Christian, and they pour out their vitriol on another person who says they're a Christian their angry judgments, their wrath. The Lord is saying that that's not of the spirit, that's of the flesh. Self-righteousness is always of the flesh and not of the spirit. The spirit brings humility. I'll show you that in just a moment. But let's stop just a moment and talk about Marriage, if you're married, please. Or if you're not, you'll apply this to friendships. What happens when husband and wife, one of them is totally irresponsible and it causes conflict? Where one turns aside to what they want, not what is best for the marriage. What happens when they begin to stonewall one or the other or both? Where communication takes place, but there's no response, there's just defensiveness, anger, rage. What happens Well, Paul is saying that all of that is coming out of walking in the flesh, i.e. the fallen nature. What I hope you hear now is not judgment or condemnation. What What I'm hoping you're hearing is clarity in whether you're walking in flesh or in the Spirit. Now, may I be very plain with you, There have been times in my life where I've simply walked in my flesh, i.e. fallen nature. And I've had to go to the Lord and be very somber, very sober, and repent. And say, Lord, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to walk without strife, without dissensions, without outbursts of wrath, I'm just not going to walk that way. I'm not going to bite another person. You see, the the fallen nature is a wolf nature. And what does a wolf do? It bites. It devours. I choose not to do that. So in your life, can you identify any places where you are still walking in in outbursts of wrath, in strife, in dissensions, where you lift up your standard and try to crush others to make them agree with you? your judgments I've been guilty of this which of us has not been guilty of this at some point in our life and somehow in my life it's flowed out of an inner anger and that inner anger has to be dealt with the inner anger usually comes out of hurts Brokenness from the past, disappointments. That inner anger, that bitter root that grows, where we think that other person is wrong, or we're not being treated the way we should be treated. The anger grows, the bitterness grows. That's walking in that fallen nature. Now there comes a point where you are invited by Jesus into his love, into his mercy, into his grace. And now you take a position with Jesus that says, I'm going to give all of this mess to Jesus. I'm not going to carry it. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Now, sometimes in marriage, the other partner is only more enraged by this, and there is no peace to be found. But at other times, both partners will recognize the wrong. Of their biting each other. And they both repent. And they both make a decision to no longer walk in the flesh, i.e., fallen nature, but instead they choose to walk in the mind of the Holy Spirit. He continues as I told you before that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God that is when you walk in the flesh i.e. fallen human nature you cannot inherit the kingdom of God now listen as I read for you what the mind of the Spirit produces. These are very real things. They're not ephemeral. They're real. This is what He'll do in you. Please, I'm not just giving you a teaching out of the Scripture today. I'm asking you to look at the reality of your current life, whether you are walking In the flesh, the fallen nature, and calling yourself a Christian, Paul is saying, sorry, that won't work. He's saying you must walk and have the mind of the Spirit. What does the mind of the Spirit look like? What will your life look like if you begin to walk in the mind of the Spirit? What will it produce in terms of outward appearance? The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. Now, I want you to notice it does not say the fruits of the Spirit. This is singular. These are a list of qualities That are granted to you as free gifts as you renounce walking in the flesh, i.e., fallen nature. These are the productions, these are the qualities that make up, like an orange has many slices. These are the slices of the orange of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That is self-sacrificing love. Compassionate love. Not judgmental love. May I use another term? Curious love. Love that does not judge based on your judgments, but instead a curious love. A love of sacrificing my flesh, i.e. fallen nature, and allowing the mind of the Spirit to begin to produce in me a compassionate, curious love to reach out and make a difference in someone else's life. Now, I can only tell you when when you are loved this way by another person, you will blossom. And when you love someone else this way, they will blossom. You know that hard-headed husband you have? There's the possibility that if you just love him and stop the fight, he could respond. Now, I'm not Pollyanna. I understand that there are some people who have wounds so deep that you can love them forever and all they'll do is spit in your face. And that requires a whole different kind of answer. But the first quality that will demonstrate the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life is that you will begin strangely to stop judging other people and pour out self-sacrificing love. And it will be evident in all of your contacts with other people. You'll no longer be stingy. You'll no longer be grasping. Instead, you will be finding ways to support and help another person. The second characteristic or principle or quality that begins to emerge in a person's life who has given up the false a <laughs> flesh nature, fallen nature, is the sadness will begin to be replaced with joy. Now a pagan man, a very wise businessman, called me one day, and he said to me, Pastor, I've watched you in many different circumstances in your life, and you were always joyful. Pastor, I don't have any joy in my heart. Could you tell me how to find joy? And I said to him, I'm sorry. Joy is a byproduct. You don't go out and buy joy. You don't go to the mountain and search for a place where you can pick joy. Joy is not something that grows on a tree. Joy is a byproduct of something else. And I said, always when I've tried to talk to you about Jesus, you have said, no, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Well, Jesus is the only source of true joy. And if you want true joy, it has to be brought to you by the Holy Spirit, Well, he said, I'm going to look somewhere else for joy because I'm not going to be a follower of Jesus. I said, okay, when you're ready, let's talk again. The third quality is peace. Shalom. An end of strife a fullness of provision in other words you come to a point in your life where you recognize that Jesus is enough for you his grace is sufficient for you and it doesn't depend on how much money you have and it doesn't demand or it doesn't matter what kind of treatment you're receiving from other people it matters that you have recognized that Jesus is enough for you. You have suffered enough that you've now come to Jesus and the mind of the Spirit is now beginning to dwell in you and you will notice a peacefulness coming into your heart, a lack of panic, a lack of anger a restfulness now you also will find kindness kindness where your heart is moved with compassion when you see people in their stressed out difficult times you want to just put your arms around them and say, please come to Jesus. Come and taste and see that he's good. Goodness, righteousness, innocence is in your heart and in your life. And with that you find faith because you have a rhema word from God. You have sure promises. Jesus said, my blood is real drink. My broken body is real food. In the Lord's prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus knows that we need to feast on him. He will feed us. And then comes gentleness. Gentleness. A gentle person is not hard to be with because they do not have a wolf nature. They don't bark at you. They don't bite at you. And then finally, self control. In other words, an inner governance will begin to take over your life. And if your issue is gluttony, as you have prayed and given that gluttony to Jesus, you will find strangely that you're not hungry. You'll sit at the table and you'll have an adequate amount, and then the Holy Spirit will say, Okay, that's enough. You don't need any more. Stop. You'll be in the evening before you go to bed, and you're saying, Boy, I need some ice cream. I've got to have some ice cream tonight. No, you don't need ice cream tonight, you need Jesus tonight. Taste and see that Jesus is good. Self-control, which is really not self-control, it's Holy Spirit control, will begin to take over in your life. And you'll begin to walk under self-discipline or Holy Spirit discipline. As one man that I prayed for I prayed that he would have broken over his life the spirit of smoking and tobacco. He left the prayer chapel, and the next morning he reached for the cigarette, and the Holy Spirit said, you don't need that, put it down. He was surprised. He immediately put it down and recognized he didn't need it. And several times through the day, he picked up a cigarette, ready to light it up, and the Holy Spirit just very calmly spoke to him and said, put it down, you don't need that. And he's never smoked again. It was gone, it was finished, it was over. I talked with a man who who drank a lot of alcohol. And when he made the decision to walk in the Spirit, with the mind of the spirit he said the desire for alcohol was removed from him please please understand what i'm talking about today is a transition from the mind of the flesh i.e. the fallen nature a transition over into the mind of the spirit And when the mind of the Spirit takes over in your life because you have asked Him to take over and you have renounced the wicked and sinful ways, the Holy Spirit will come. And He will begin to tell you what He wants you to do through impressions, through the reading of the Scriptures as you devour the Word of God and you pray and you surrender it may be you have an awful temper you have to face that temper honestly in the prayer closet and pray and lay it all out before jesus and ask him would you now sovereignly come and remove this temper from my heart and give to me the mind of the holy spirit by the precious blood jesus you shed on calvary I renounce this anger. I renounce my bitterness. I'm done with it. And now watch as the Holy Spirit moves in. And as one beautiful Christian said to me, Pastor, I don't know what happened. My anger's gone. I'm not angry anymore. I'm free. And I tell you, that's exactly what happened to me. In high school, I loved to fight with my fists. In grade school, somebody said something to me I didn't like. I'd fight. I'd punch. I'd talk later. My anger was a trigger edge. And I was sitting in the chapel during a worship service in a Christian high school. And the Holy Spirit came down. And suddenly students began to weep, and I was one of them. The speaker had to stop speaking. The wailing was so loud in that chapel. The Holy Spirit came down in revival power in that chapel. And the speaker stepped back. He said, does anyone want to come to the mic and just share what the Holy Spirit has done in you? And lines of of young people stood up and went up and began to confess every kind of wicked sin. And they were set free. They were changed. I sat in my seat, unmoving, as though I was paralyzed. And I said, Lord Jesus, I'm sinning against you with my anger. I've tried to control it, but I can't. My fists do my talking. It's wrong. How can I ever become a pastor if I have this kind of bitter anger in my heart toward my dad, toward others, my brothers, both older than me who would beat me up at a moment's notice? How could I? How could I be a minister of the gospel and have that wicked anger in my heart? I just sat in that chapel crying out to the Lord And suddenly this incredible peace came over my heart. (laughs) Now, in my anger, I was not a red-faced angry man. I was a white-faced angry man. The blood would drain from my face and I would be in a rage. You know what? Not once since then have I been in that kind of rage. The Holy Spirit took it from me. Have I been irritated since then? Have I been red-faced mad? Oh, yeah, sometimes I have been, and I've had to repeat what I said to the Lord initially and say, Lord, I don't even want this. I give it to you. I'm not going to walk in it. I resist. I reject. I want the mind of your spirit. And he's taken that from me as well. So I'm not an angry man today. Could I ask you a question and be real honest with me? Are you an angry woman? Are you an angry man? Do you have to constantly struggle to keep your anger in check? Have you turned that anger in on yourself so that you're self-destructive? Have you moved it into depression and discouragement and hopelessness? I'm telling you today by the power of the blood of Jesus you can receive the mind of the Spirit. Now let me continue reading for you. Against such things there is no law. (laughs) There's no law against love, joy peace patience kindness goodness faith gentleness self-control there's no law against that that's what jesus gives to us in fact verse 24 this is galatians 5 verse 24 in fact the ones who are of christ crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts if we live in the spirit we should also walk in the spirit Now I want to read for you out of chapter six, verse fourteen. Indeed, as for me to glory should never be, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which to me the world has been crucified, and I to the world. You see, crucifixion is the transition point between the mind and of the flesh, i.e. the fallen nature and the mind of the spirit. I've read for you the description that Paul gives us of what that mind of the flesh is in very specific terms and what the mind of the spirit is in very specific terms. Now that you've identified those parts of your life that you're walking in that are of the flesh let's go back to Romans the 8th chapter and I want you to see that now in detail Paul is going to talk about living according to the Holy Spirit and in verse 2 he says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death So a key place to begin is on your knees before God and you claim this promise. Lord Jesus, your word says that you have set me free from the law of sin and death. You have set me free from this old nature. I don't need to walk in it anymore. I am set free from this. I am released from it in the name of Jesus. Notice, he brought down judgments upon sin while in the flesh. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us. You see, it does not say that the righteous requirements of the law could be striven after until finally I am successful in accomplishing all of this. No, this is not my accomplishment. This is what is done by the Spirit of God as I cry out and renounce those wicked parts of my heart and I ask Jesus if he would utterly release me from the works of the flesh, i.e. I, the natural man, the wicked, sinful man. Now verse 5 For the ones being according to the flesh mind, i.e. the fallen nature, the things of the flesh, but the ones according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. In other words, in your mind you make these choices and decisions. In your mind, you make the decision to come to Jesus and ask him to give you a new life in him, and you surrender to him, you consecrate yourself to him, you give yourself totally over to him, and you give up your old ways by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the blood. Verse 6, for the mind of the flesh, that is the natural man is death but the mind of the spirit is life and peace since the mind of the flesh is enmity against god indeed it is not subject to the law of god for neither is it possible in fact the ones being in the flesh are not able to please god now this brings us up against a very difficult wall In the natural man, in the flesh of the fallen nature, there is a natural hatred toward God. It is necessary for us to come to terms with the hatred of our own heart toward God. Now Genesis 3.15 also tells us that there would be enmity between us and the devil. So in our heart, there is both in the natural man, hatred toward God and hatred toward the devil. Hatred toward God and hatred toward the devil. In that middle position... We then are going to walk in the ways of the flesh that I just read for you. Strife, bitterness, every kind of wickedness, every kind of uncleanness. We're either going to walk in that, or we're going to walk in righteousness, in innocence. We're going to walk in the Spirit. Now, part of where I have struggled is thinking that I could choose one day to walk in the flesh, and then the next day I could choose to walk in the spirit. You can do that on a very temporary basis. But if you choose to do that, you are saying that there is a third power here and I have a neutral ground and I am God and I get to decide what I'm going to do. It is by crucifixion that we enter into the spirit realm. The crucifixion of the mind and the heart, the spirit of man, it is where we finally say, I am finished with this. Now, First John tells us that if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us. He will forgive us. He will remove our sin. And then it says, and he will purify us from all uncleanness. Now, in my life, I've gone back to that old fallen nature many times. But always the Holy Spirit calls me out of that and calls me to walk in the Spirit until the victory, the full victory, is gained in the Spirit realm. Where I finally say, look, I can't do that anymore. I can't walk that way anymore. It's too painful. It causes too much brokenness in my heart. It grieves Jesus, it grieves me, it grieves other people. I can't do that. I have to walk clean. And as you constantly make that decision to totally surrender to Jesus and totally walk out his will in your life, these attributes of the Spirit are seen more and more. These characteristics of the spirit are seen more and more in your life and in your heart verse six for the mind of the flesh is death but the mind of the spirit is life and peace since the mind of the flesh is enmity against god indeed it is not subject to the law of god for neither is it possible The flesh nature says, look, I'm going to have what I want. I'm just going to take what I want. Have you done that? I have. Which of us has not done that and brought destruction upon ourselves, brought sadness and tears to our heart? We don't have to walk that way. By the power of the Spirit, we can say no. I want to please God. Verse 9, But you, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone has not the Spirit of Christ, this one is not of him. But if Christ is in you, On the one hand, the body is dead because of sin, and on the other hand, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. You notice it does not say because of what you say. It's because reality is you are innocent before God because you have confessed your sin, you have turned from darkness, and you are now walking in the light. You have been crucified with Christ. And if the spirit of the one having raised Jesus out from the dead one dwells in you, the one having raised the Christ out from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive by means of a spirit dwelling in you. Now, let's talk about this. We just have a few minutes left. We'll go into it in more depth tomorrow. But let me try to make this final connection with the mind of the spirit. this flesh body that I dwell in is going to go into the grave and turn to dust. Whether I'm saved or lost, this flesh body will turn to dust. We live in a body of death. The question is, how can we be rescued from this body of death? That is only possible as we give this body of death with its natural inclination to be an enemy of God. As we give this body and we give this spirit that dwells in us, our human spirit, we give this to Jesus in a concrete act of consecration and dedication to him. We renounce the ways of the devil. We renounce all of those things that cause a guilty conscience. And we say, Lord... I am yours. Now, the word says here in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit will come into this body of death right now that you're living in, and he will quicken this body of death with the life of the Holy Spirit so that now even your physical life is totally dependent upon the promises of God your physical body and your spirit are all dependent on the mind of the spirit dwelling in you. Oh Lord, these are not easy things to understand, but I plead with you, would you show your people and bring deep conviction to our hearts that we must walk in the mind of the spirit. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find podcasts, you'll find videos. It's a brand new webpage. If you haven't seen it yet, please go and take a look at it. You'll also find a donate button where you can contribute to the ministry of the gospel on Pilgrim's Progress. And I invite you as the Holy Spirit prompts you to give. I also would like to invite you to to write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And this week I have received some wonderful letters. Thank you so much for your love and kindness and encouragement to me. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.